Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is really good to see all of you this morning. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Dion. Um, We just appreciate you guys spending some time with us this morning. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for just everything, for letting us be here, um, that we can come together and we can hear your word. We can worship. We can be family together. Um, I do want to just say a prayer right now, Lord, for the people who are affected by the fires right now. Um, Lord, that somehow, some way that you can just heal what's going on and help them get control of the fire quickly, keep our firefighters safe, the people who are affected, that their homes and everything, Lord. Um, gosh, this is just a hard time. And we thank you that you're with them. And we pray that they would, they would come to see you through all of this, even though this is rough. And Afghanistan and everything that is going on in our world right now, Lord, our hearts are with them. And we know that you're with them. And we thank you that you will bring about your perfect will, even though it seems like it's total chaos. You are in control, and we just will trust in you for all of this, Lord. So thank you for that. Thank you for today's message. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, sir. Thank you, thank you very much. If you want to borrow my Android, it's available if you need it. Okay, I said I'd throw that out there. My name is Bill, and I'm totally obnoxious, and I uh, just gave a little example of that. Uh, we are continuing a series that, that we've been excited about. We've been, we've been visiting places. We've been going there at different times uh, in the Middle East. We've been looking at Bible locations. We've been uh, talking about what God is doing in each, every, every one of them. It's a travel log. Your folder, your little handout is folded like a travel log would be as you would go one place to another. The verses that have been foundational to what we're talking about is we don't go there just as tourists. We go there to learn. It's, it's, for me, it's been exciting, and I've talked to some other people that the historical aspects that we've been attempting to draw out and some of the background that's there. We look at those things that happened then. Now, these things happened to them in the past as examples uh, for us. They're written down for our instructions, and this is uh, upon those were the end of the, living in the end of the ages. I think there's a sense of urgency inside of our country. And, and each day we get exclamation points as we look at Afghanistan, as we look at the fires that were mentioned by Dion, as we look at the, 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 the government chaos, the spiritual chaos, all the things that are going on in our world. I think there's a, there's a reason to pause and, and to open up. Uh, God's word and see how he has worked in the past in challenging times. And that's literally what we've been doing for over seven weeks. We've been looking at places and we've been seeing God move. And we've seen his people in each of these times, in each of these places, uh, honoring him. And, and of course, now, as we do that, we also see something else. Because if we look at our country today, it's just as we look at these events in the past, and we don't see the true battle the battle is not flesh and blood. The true battle is spiritual that's taking place inside of our world. It's taking place inside of our country right now. I don't think there could be any clearer indications we'll end up to today talking about that. Uh, there's a spiritual battle going on in Washington, in Sacramento, in Ridgecrest, at Crossroads, 
And that battle is in each heart here. It's in mine. It's in yours. Uh, there's spiritual forces of darkness that are, that are coming in, but there's also the spiritual forces of Jesus Christ that we sang about in the song. So that's our introduction today. We look, we learn in the past. Today we're, we're going to uh, an interesting place. We're going to Bethlehem. Now, most of us are going to connect immediately what took place in Bethlehem, and we'll look at some things that we can learn. Uh, interesting, if you want to go to uh, Bethlehem, uh, I did this. It's a, a 15 and a half hour flight out of LAX. You get to meet, you know, uh, a couple of hundred new friends that you'll be with at close, in close quarters for 15 and a half hours. It's uh, 7,500 miles uh, to be able to go to Bethlehem to see what's there. I had, had the opportunity to be able to do that uh, some time ago, and we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about the events that took place there, specifically 3,500 years ago. And today we're going to talk about the events that are taking place there now. And also we'll be talking as we look at Israel, the events that are going to take place in the near future uh, when Christ comes back. First off, we, we, know, the, we know the basics. Uh, the verse is famous. We pull it out every Christmas uh, and we talk about it because it's one of these things that God does. He tells us what's going to happen in the future. He's very specific so that, uh, that we'll be able to know that as we go. Uh, so Bethlehem, he says, oh, Bethlehem, uh, Ephrata, uh, you're just as small among the clans. It was a very small place when the events that we're talking about there took place. Too little, you know, everything going on. But out of you, and this is a, a verse that actually I learned so much in the last week, uh, but out of you will come forth one who is to be the ruler of Israel. Out of, out of this little backwater town, 2,000 years ago, a ruler that is going to come out. There will be a, a ruler in Israel who's coming forth is of old, from ancient days. This, this ruler will come and, and he will come into Bethlehem. But he's not starting in Bethlehem, even though this is where he comes from. He's from Ancient of Days. This, this concept of Ancient of Days in the Bible, specifically in the book of Daniel, the Ancient of Days points to something supernatural that spans time. The Ancient of Days, when they, when they talk about that, that's a, that's a reference to God, this Ancient of Days that exists forever. So inside of this is a promise that, of supernatural being that's going to come forth. And therefore, uh, he'll come, he'll, he'll be in Bethlehem, but then uh, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. There's so much there. Hopefully, we'll be able to unpack it as we go forward today. Like I said, I've learned so much uh, as I looked at those. This is the promise before it. Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Does, does disaster come? Does smoke come? Does uh, pandemics of whether it's COVID or uh, racism or whatever it may be, these pandemics of, of destruction, economic pandemics that are sweeping our country, moral uh, pandemics that are, do, do, you know, these things, does God allow, ordain? Absolutely. But he lets us know in advance not only what's coming, but how is his faithful remnant as his followers we're supposed to respond. So today we're going to open that up and talk about what's going on 
uh, back then and today. Uh, we'll look at the, the Messiah coming, this ruler of Israel. Uh, so that's, that's where we're going. And again, uh, what does that mean? Uh, it means the things that are taking place. The one thing we're going to come back, this giving birth that is taking place inside of that verse, right? Not the Bible. It's given birth. Uh, the rest of the brothers, we're going, to, we're going to look at where birth is taking place inside of our world. Uh, a transition is taking place. Jesus described it as birth pangs as the end of the times come upon us. So we'll unpack a little of that today. Uh, because the brothers, the regathering of the brothers that's talked about took place May 14th, 1948. The people of Israel regathered. So let's, let's, let's look and let's, let's talk just, just a moment about what that looks like uh, to us today. Let's go to Bethlehem. Uh, I went there and uh, enjoyed it. I'm going to talk about some of the experiences when my personal travel log. Don't you like it when someone invites you over to their house? And they have three hours of slides from their vacation and are explaining to you how wonderful it was to them at every moment. Uh, okay, my turn. Uh, at Bethlehem, we, we did go to the church that is now built over, if you will, the place uh, where they said Jesus was born. Uh, here's, a, here's a picture of it. This is what exists today in Israel. Uh, there's the verse that goes with it. Uh, but it's not easily accessible. It, it was, it's right now under Palestinian control. Uh, it was this, this area of Israel, including Bethlehem, was captured in the 1968 war uh, as the nation of Israel were, was attacked, fought back against the terrorists, and took more territory. But then in the Oslo Peace Agreement, Israel, as it has done several times, traded land and gave land to the terrorists, the Palestinian Authority with primarily Hamas, that's there, the terrorist organization. So trying to buy peace, trying to say, okay, we'll give you this, let's live in peace. Well, that didn't work out so well. So uh, as we went uh, and visited, uh, the people of Israel had to put a wall up. Does that sound familiar? To protect them. Uh, from the terrorists or the, the people that would flow across into Israel and destroy and, and set bombs and blow up buses and, and blow up schools. And so they, they had to put this wall up, and there's this, this massive gate, that, or the gates that go from one side to the other. Uh, the gate that we went to, we weren't allowed to take our bus into, uh, into Bethlehem. As a matter of fact, very few people were, are able to go at all. We happened to have... Uh, one of our tour guides was a guy named Yossi. He was a, a, a colonel in the Israeli Defense Force, well-decorated, one of the paratroopers that took the Temple Mount when it took place. But he had influence, so he was able to contact the different authorities that were needed so we could go. Now, we weren't allowed to drive through this gate because this gate on the other side was Bethlehem. Uh, we weren't allowed to take a bus there because if we were to take an Israeli bus over there, the historically bombs would have been put underneath it and terrorist things would have been put underneath it. So when they came back, it would kill innocent civilians. So you couldn't take your bus. So we had to un you know, get out of our bus and then we went to a gate 
that we had to walk through to be able to get over and actually then uh, walk to another bus, a Palestinian bus there, so we could go into Bethlehem. This is the, the gate that we walked through. Uh, there was a very small line, metal detectors, we're in place, uh, sniffing dogs, looking for explosives as we go through. Sitting over ahead of us, and this is just one of them, is Israeli, uh, idea, Israeli Defense Force with M16s guarding what was taking place as, as people went through both ways. It was trying to protect the nation uh, and control it uh, that was there at that time. Israel is a, is a country that currently is under pressure from all around the world. The, the Bible tells us that's going to happen. Uh, it talks about that the world will turn against them in the end times. And, and it becomes a reality, a, uh, a certainty in their nation. Uh, one of my favorite pictures talks about the con contrast between Israel and the United States. You see, they know they're at war. We haven't quite figured that out yet. Uh, I love this picture. Here's three modern misses in the nation of Israel, heading for the mall. Uh, probably going to go out and meet with some people and have some coffee. And it's just a normal day out. They've got their purses. They, you know, they got their, their, their casual clothes. And they got their M16s. There's the difference. Everyone in Israel, for two years, joins the Israeli Defense Force. So that because of the 7 million people, when you've got 120 million people that are committed to destroying you, you have to be prepared to respond. So uh, two years, uh, as, as people grow up in Israel, they have two years constricted service that they can go. Now they can substitute, uh, depending on their religious beliefs or other things, for other things, but they owe two years. In our country, that uh, is totally different. At two years, uh, people would be putting on their party clothes and going to college or going to work or doing those things. In Israel, you pick up your M16 and you become part of, of saving the lives of the nation. So that's, that's what you're seeing here. And, and here's the promise and here's what's taking place. Uh, in Zechariah, it says, Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to the surrounding people. And that's exactly what Jerusalem is now. We read it in the news. We understand the tensions. We understand, again, it was another. Jerusalem was captured by the IDF. It became Israeli territory, but yet they, let, they gave it to the control of the Muslims, again, as an attempt to bring peace. Uh, it has not worked well. The siege against Jerusalem also was against Judah. On that day, Jerusalem, Israel, be a heavy stone to all people. And that's what we see. All the nations, really, uh, anti-Semitism is sweeping the world, sweeping our country. Uh, prayerfully, our government will never forsake the support of Israel. Uh, although I believe I see that on the horizon. So today, uh, August 22nd, uh, the world gathers around it. And so where are we? We're, we're talking about a travelogue that we took place. Today we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. These are turbulent times. When Christ came the first time, it was turbulent times, and we'll be talking about that. But, but today are turbulent times. And uh, a video that, that I've shown several times, I love Christmas, I love this video, and only because it's such a pump to remind us that our problem, by the way, isn't in Washington, D.C. It isn't in Sacramento. 
It isn't in the city council here. It isn't in the school district or anything else. The, the real problems that are coming at us are spiritual problems. And the answer is spiritual. The answer is Jesus Christ. Well, this video talks about it. It's called A Baby Boy. This is God's answer to chaos in countries, the world, and in our heart. Uh, let's watch it. If you told me all about your sorrows I'd tell you about a cure If you told me you can't fight the battle There's a baby boy who won the war The war was won by a baby boy Love that video. By the way, excuse me, that's my favorite. So I just showed you one of my favorite videos. That it reminds us the songs that we sang. Jesus is the answer. You know, we look around at so much stuff, but Jesus is the answer. God has a plan, and He's carrying it out throughout this world. We started looking at God's plan in this travelogue back at the Garden of Eden. We God established a a, a beautifully balanced world, and and He created a man and a woman in his image, Adam and Eve. And he put him in a garden and he said, wow, live here, rejoice. Only one thing. There's a tree here of the knowledge of good and evil. But God says, don't eat of that. Let me decide what is good. Let me decide what is evil. Let me be God. They, obviously, we know the results of that. Uh, they fell. We, we went and, and, and we looked at what God was doing there. And uh, 
they fell. And each week we have done that. And a cycle has started. And it started to move uh, throughout the world. God established his throne. The sovereign God is working a plan from the beginning of time till today until he comes back and establishes a whole new creation. And his goal is to invite us to be part of his family. We have been invited into adoption. Before the foundation of the world, God wants to adopt each and every person. And that's what's going on today. Uh, everything that's taken place in history has been to draw people to him. We've looked at it that we might choose to follow God. The, the world and lives and countries and nations are caught up in this cycle. We introduced it last week. God gives you and I the choice to choose life. To choose life. To choose him. To follow him by obeying and loving the Lord our God. We looked at it at the Garden of Eden. We looked at it at the flood where only eight were saved. We looked at it as Lot was saved from Sodom. Abraham was chosen. Uh, Israel was saved from famine and went to Egypt by Joseph. Uh, Israel was delivered from the bondage uh, in Egypt. The law was given. God stops us and says, okay, now let, let me give you some, some rules. Let me establish truth again. It's, it's back to the garden. Will you listen to me? And he gave us 10 commandments. The first four tell us how to follow and honor God, how to love him and have nothing else before him, how to treat his name as holy. The first four, relationship with God. The last six tell us how to live with one another. Very simple. Ten commandments are given, uh, but they're all summed up in love God, love our neighbor. And so we've looked at each of these places, but at each place we've seen man rebel from God. We, we start out in that relationship, uh, blessings of God, then pride, rebellion, curses start, hardening of hearts, judgment of God, repentance and then re restoration. And I asked last week, and it's just where it's important to know where we are as a person. Absolutely. But it's also important as a nation, as citizens. Where's our country? And what can we do about that? Uh, as he does it. So the, the thing is that, that God is ruling and reigning and choosing. But in each of these places, and here's where it's application, there's a faithful remnant. Each place that we have visited, the God has selected certain people as he's selecting people today. His eyes are searching to and fro throughout our country, our world, this room. And he's looking for hearts that are completely his, that we might be used in his kingdom to be able to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. And it's simple. Love God. Obey God and, and love our neighbors and teach our kids the importance of loving God, knowing God. You know, the, the primary transmission of, of the knowledge of good and evil and that, that, that God defines that is a mom and a dad. It's done in a home. Generation after generation, when that is carried on in a nation as it was in ours for hundreds of years, when that love of God and obedience to God was passed on uh, in the homes, our nation flourished. At such time as we, we delegated that we, to other people, to, instead of the parents, then we entered in to problems. But the faithful remnant then and now 
are still teaching their kids. We've got a group of parents that are, that are I guess I can say this, are tail kicking uh, when it comes to Satan. They said, no, we're teaching our kids. We're telling them what's right. We're telling them what's wrong. Whether it's in a homeschool environment uh, or wherever that is taking place, parents are, again, once again, the faithful remnant that are bringing that about. But each place in the Old Testament, the 1,400 years that we've covered uh, during the nation of Israel and its land, prophets came, people came, uh, each one of them. And the, the verse that describes them, these are God's people. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release uh, so that they might rise to a better life. Mockings, floggings, chains, imprisonment. They were stoned, uh, sawn in two. Each, these are the people who stand up, as we even see in our world today. There are, there's going to be thousands of people in Afghanistan missionaries that went there to spread God's word. Uh, thousands of workers went to bring food, went to help the people. Uh, thousands of people, there's, there's, uh, there was a large, excuse me, a growing number of Christians in Afghanistan. They're all going to fall under an area of persecution. So this is what has happened. There's always the faithful remnant. But again, the promise to them, really, and the promise to us started 2,000 years ago. The children of Israel, when, when Jesus Christ came, we, we sort of see it as removed and we don't understand so much of it. I love to study it because it's so much like us today. The people of Israel were enslaved. We looked at the uh, basic, basic verse that we've been in this a whole time. He'll come forth he'll, like one of old. Therefore, he will give them up. For a period of time, this is he comes and they're they're enslaved to different things. They're in the middle of this uh, cycle that is taking place. They were enslaved to the sin that was there. They were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world that was around them. Just at the right point, Christ came. And this is for us today. I I, I want to emphasize this. He's coming again. He's going to come at just the right time. This nation needs a revival. We need to return to that because uh, Christ is knocking at the door. He came in Bethlehem at a time of civil unrest, terrorists, zealots, all of these things. Learn from the example. There was political chaos in Israel at the time when Jesus came. The kingdom was divided. There were political rulers that were fighting for power. Sound familiar? Inside of it, in a nation that is divided will not stand uh, Jesus said himself, a kingdom divided against itself, it's laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will be able to stand. And that's, that's what we see. The Roman rulers, there was uh, different groups of people. There were Herodians, there were Jewish rulers, there was Herod's people, there were zealots who were terrorists out in the community, and there were protesters all pushing back. Political chaos is one of the symptoms that God has gone. The next symptom that God has gone is spiritual chaos. At the time, there were uh, people, uh, spiritual leaders, pastors, we would call them today, church leaders uh, that were there. And there was groups of them. There was uh, uh, one of them was the Sadducees, and, and they had set up the temple. Jesus walks in, and they, had, they were selling stuff in the temple. They were making money. I don't know if you noticed this, but Dion said something that was really important. She said, we're going to have a garage sale. If you got stuff, bring it in. But you hear what she said after that? 
That money never comes to the church. We never do fundraising as a church for, for the church. We do it to give out to the community. At the time uh, when Jesus walked into the temple, they were selling, and this was the, the source of income, not for the church, not to feed the poor, but to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time to make them rich and famous as they did it. So, so Jesus cast them out when he enters the temple. And he also gave an example, and if something can stick, it, it certainly stuck in my heart, because we all start to find ourselves in this story, this parable he gave. He talked about two men, and they went to this temple to pray. One of them was one of the religious leaders, a Pharisee, which means he, was, he considered himself separate from the people. If a Pharisee would to walk into town, he would have to come back and he would have to clean himself up because he would have certain washing rituals because he actually moved among people that weren't of his caliber. He looked down on them because he was self-righteous. He saw it as his works and his ability. He's keeping the law. He's standing above everyone else. He is so cool in his eyes. Spiritual giant. And he judges other people. He looks at them and, and says, look at that person. Look at the way they're acting. Look at the way they're dressing. Look what they said. All of those things. That's one, that's one man. He goes to the temple to pray. But at the same time, there's another guy that comes. Who's, who's out in the world, he's working, he's a tax collector, which means that uh, he was seen as compromised uh, in that culture. But he stands in front of God also and he's praying. But he's not judging anyone else. He's saying, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's saying, God, I need you. I sin, I fall short, I, I make mistakes. Two men, one self-righteous, self-actualization, self-truth, personal truth, and another one saying, oh God, I'm a sinner. You know, doing this even this morning, I said, which prayer did I pray this morning? Which, how did I approach God this morning when I sat with an open Bible and perfectly an open heart before him? And for each of us, that's our question. Which are we? Do we need a savior or are we self-righteous and we're our own savior? That's really that, that straightforward question. Do we call out for mercy? Uh, this, is, this is what we were looking at. When, when Christ came, that was the reality. There was a, a group of people, group one, the Pharisees, self-righteous. Two, there was a, uh, uh, sinners. The tax gatherer, oh, be merciful to me. But there was a third group, and if that group is the predominant group then, and it accounts for about 90-some percent of our population today. They're lukewarm. They're in the middle. They, they honor God with their mouth. Back in the day uh, when Jesus came, they, they attended all the feasts. Uh, they would go to Jerusalem. They would do these things as they, as they went there, uh, but their hearts were far from him. They would, they would crowds, thousands, follow Jesus for the healings, for the bread, for the miracles. But their hearts were far from him. Their lives weren't changed. They weren't, they weren't the, the chosen followers one at that time. And Jesus talked to that group, 
He said, Isaiah one time years ago said, you know, these people honor me with their lips, but the people's heart have grown cold and dull. Their ears they can barely hear, their eyes are closed. They've chosen to harden their heart against the truth that's there. That's our country today. Today, what, 3%, group three, uh, is a small fraction that, that, are, that are there inside of our country. And to this group, Jesus came. And he presented himself to him. We read about it. We'll read about it over the weeks that are following us. Uh, he, he came and he presented himself uh, and said, make a choice. Into the chaos walks Jesus Christ then and now. Why would, why would God send his son? I mean, this is, and why would Jesus Christ, the eternal God, uh, with all the rights and privileges and worship and heaven and all the power, all the safety, set that aside and become a baby. Not just, he didn't come as a king, he came as a baby. Why would he do that? Quite honestly, to me, something I saw years ago, he tried everything else. God had given us a perfect world. We lived in a garden, no worries, no problems. We'd blow it. We were now put out into a world and... and the nations turned against God and there was a flood and God says, I'm going to start it over. He tried that. He tried patriarchs. Then he sent, then he sent the nation of Israel and Abraham and his people and the people turned from God. He sent prophets. He sent kings. He sent judges. I just finished reading the book of Judges and the last verse in the book of Judges said, and there was no ruler in Israel at that time and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Boy, that's our country today. So, but, but God has tried everything else, so he sends his king into this. The prophecies about him uh, would give proof and evidence that he was there. He's the solution to the world's problems. The angels came and announced that this king came. This, 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 this Messiah, this ruler, this savior uh, came and was moving among them. Uh, and he told the uh, the the. the Shepherds that were out there, fear not. He said, because in the city of David, Bethlehem, uh, Christ the Lord is born to you. Uh, he's the Messiah. He's the king. And, oh, he's laying in a manger. Can you imagine today as we talk to different people and they, they, we try and present Jesus because that's what we do. And we so we're... How come he's not ruling and reigning? He's, he's waiting for us. He, he still comes humbly to us. He doesn't come and demand power and control. He comes to our heart and he invites us into a personal relationship with him. Uh, he wasn't a conquering king because this isn't his kingdom. His kingdom is not the physical kingdom that you and I live in. He, he's, his goal is not to run for president. Wouldn't that be a kick? to have a righteous choice. He, that, this is not his kingdom. He, he made it very clear when he was here. He has a kingdom, but it's a kingdom of spirit and love and heart, not a physical kingdom ruling here. The political movements and all these thoughts that we can get a government that will, no, it's in the heart. God's kingdom moves inside the heart. Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. It's, it's new and in, they, they, you're a king? He says, yeah. I'm a king, but it's a spiritual kingdom, and, and many people here are, are citizens of that kingdom. 
are part of what God is doing in the world today. Uh, that's God that, that, that has come before us. You know, that's, that's the God that we follow. You know, and, and I'm going to stop, go back to Israel for just a moment. He knew that Israel would reject him. He knew when he came, he was born 70 years later, the nation of Israel would be destroyed. The armies, because of a rebellion, would gather around Jerusalem and they would take all the, all the people that were there celebrating Passover that year because there were millions and they would stuff them inside of the city of Jerusalem and then they would burn the city down and kill them all. Those who weren't killed, I think it was three or 400,000, were stripped naked and were forced to walk around the Mediterranean Sea to Rome. Uh, men, women, children were forced to walk. Those that didn't die on the way, some of them were sold as slaves on the way, and the rest went to Rome to be slaves there. He knew they were going to fall. Why? Because they turned down the baby. They turned down the Messiah. They chose to continue in that, that, that choice. He, that was their choice at that particular time. He wept over the city, knowing the choices, what, what they were going to make. And then back to the verse in Micah, therefore, he shall give them up. God will give up his people for a time at that time. And the rest of the brothers, that, but then it says they shall return. There's a promise in the book of Micah that not only will the Messiah come in times of trouble, he will present himself as a baby, as the Messiah, the ancient of days. He would be rejected. But there later, at some point, the people of Israel, after being scattered, will come back. And boy, you and I are living in that time. They're back in the land uh, when that takes place. And as Jesus described, birth pangs are taking place. The suffering Messiah came first. The suffering Messiah that came to take away the sins of the world. Pr predicted hundreds of years before, the king that they talked about would be pierced for our transgression. He'd be crushed for our iniquities. My sins, your sins, would be laid upon him so that we might have forgiveness and grace if we turn to him. And again, Jesus made that clear. God shows us his love that while we were sinners, while they were sinners 2,000 years ago, while they're sinners today, Christ dies for us. And he proved himself by the control that he had over nature and all the things that he did. His miracles proved that. His kingdom was a kingdom of love and sacrifice. Very simple. God so loved us. He loved me. He loved you. That he sends his son. This is a simple Christian message, but it's one that we have to remind, I have to remind myself of it is not about doing this or doing that or fixing this or fixing that. It's about remembering that Christ died for me. He came while we were sinners. God loved the world. But you see, that's not really the complete truth. God loved Bill. God loved you. You can put your name in there. If, if we choose to do that, he gave his son that if we will believe in him, will not perish. We are given eternal life at that moment. Jesus didn't come to judge. So many people will say, well, you're judging me. Oh, no, I'm not judging you. And, and Jesus in truth judges what, what is true and what isn't true. If we believe, we will not be condemned. That's the message we carry to this world. 
No one will be condemned. But this plan today in 2021, and it was 2,000 years ago, foolishness. You know, we, there's a lot of persecution going on on Christians in our country. We're being canceled. We're being marginalized. These different things. They say, your whole idea of, of a spiritual kingdom, of a baby dying for us, that's foolishness. The cross is foolishness. And, and we will be fools in the eyes of the world if we follow Christ. Uh, We've been told it's folly to those who are perishing. I like the rest. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The cross of Christ, paying for our sins, and us joining him is our opportunity. He came to his own, Israel. They rejected him at that time. In the end, they will accept him. When, when he finally comes back again to Jerusalem another time. But through all of these things, when he came, and I'm just going to touch on these, but please... There was a faithful remnant that God had prepared for the birth of Jesus Christ. At that time, there was Zechariah and Elizabeth. They became the parents of John the Baptist, who would go and proclaim, the Messiah is here. Now, recognize that, that they, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they loved God uh, very simply. They said that they were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments. That was the promise of them. And even though late in life they hadn't had kids, this was so important to them, uh, to the time and the place that, that they lived in. And yet they lived in this, if you will, abandonment by God for this long a period of time. But ultimately, they became a parent, a gift from God. Mary, this young 15, maybe 16-year-old girl in a, in a backwater village was approached and said, you're going to get pregnant. And she knew the shame that would come of that. She was engaged, but not married. She knew the shame, and actually that shame followed her and Jesus their whole life. That they remembered that that was the case. But she said to the angel, be it done unto me. She was a faithful remnant carrying out her part. And, and she became the mother of the Messiah, the prince. And uh, read her story. Joseph the stepdad of Jesus, knowing the disgrace, but it says that being a just man, he listened to the angel, and he too entered into this, this period and this opportunity uh, to suffer for Christ. And, and he became the dad of Jesus. Simeon in the temple. I love that. He, God pre-positioned someone and, and said to him, you aren't going to die until you see the Messiah and so Jesus comes in, and by the Spirit, he says, that's the Messiah. He says, now I can die. How strongly can I say this? I believe that there are people alive today that are going to see the Messiah come. That we will see him when he comes back to set up his kingdom here. You know, I'm an old dude, and, and maybe at the end of that run, I'm going to try and hang on as long as I can, looking up. You have to put up with me for a while. But there are people, I believe, alive today that will see Christ come back. Uh, just as Simeon, Anna, uh, who for most of her life, she was in the temple. What kind of a life did she have? She lost her husband early on. And so she stayed in the temple, not angry at God shaking her fist, but praying and worshiping him and thanking God. And she was able to come over and see his salvation. 
the next week we talk about his followers that he gathered as he went out into his ministry. will go into Galilee. But remember the point to today. At just the right time, Christ came. Came to a backwater town in the middle of chaos, confusion of the world. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom. He came to tell everyone that God so loved me. God so loved you. God so loved your children, your parents, your friends, your neighbors. God so loved the people of Afghanistan that he sent a son to die for him. And there are, again, thousands of people over there that are there specifically to tell them that Jesus is the way. And there's always a remnant. Always a remnant. And we have to decide which, which group are we in, the tax gatherer saying, be merciful to me, a sinner? Are we the Pharisees looking down on everyone else? Are we the lukewarm in the middle? You know, my goal is to encourage, obviously, I mean, is to tell everyone about Jesus Christ. At 33, I was transitioned. Christ came to live in me. And, and we, I don't know when your date was, if you're a follower of Christ, when you crossed over, our mission is to tell other people. Because, guys, we're living in dark times. We're living in dark times. You know, uh, God says, when I shut up heavens and there's no rain, you have water issues in your town. When, when crops are being destroyed, when diseases of COVID or whatever it is, just the ill health of our country are sweeping through our land. God's sending that to get our attention, guys. You know, I walked out uh, this morning and just smoke. Smelt, it felt like, actually, honestly, that I smoked three packs. I don't know if anyone else is a smoker that had the opportunity to do that. It gets all this pressure in the lungs. Well, I'm getting it free now, and it's not $8 a pack. Uh, but guess what? God's knocking at the door of this world, and he's coming back. And we get to tell people, and our job as the faithful remnant is to pray. If my people call by mind, if we will humble ourselves like the, the tax gatherer, and if we will seek God's face, turn from our sins, confess them before God, then God will answer that. There's hope for this country. There's hope one person at a time. And as Christians, we can tell us we can make a difference. We're the remnant. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for this privilege, this honor to carry your message, that we get to bring light to a dark world, that we get to live lives as the best we can as sinners but sinners that love God and walk in grace and mercy and peace because of the work that Christ has done in our lives. Give us wisdom to tell others that Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem, is the ruler of all and has a plan for each of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. See you next week.